ladies and gentlemen, year three of Vegas Golden Knights playoff hockey is officially a thing. Welcome back to Locked On Golden Knights, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. It is Monday, August 10th, and this episode is brought to you in part by rockauto.com. All the parts your car will ever need, Rock Auto. And speaking of cars, the Vegas Golden Knights are entering the 2020 Stanley Cup playoffs like a fine-tuned machine. Welcome back, everybody. Hope you all are having a good start to your work week. I am Danny Webster. I am your host, and I do appreciate you stopping by for today's episode in which we will be discussing how the Vegas Golden Knights, now the top-seeded in the Western Conference Vegas Golden Knights, achieved that very status, and we get you ready for their first-round matchup against the Chicago Blackhawks. So we talked about it last week. The importance of the Golden Knights getting the number one seed. They have wanted the number one seed from the very moment that they started training camp. We could really sit here and discuss this whole thing about whether they really wanted the number one seed. Is the number one seed really that important? Other than the fact that you get last change, you get maybe a home home team's locker room. All the perks that you could get as the home team without really being the home team Is it really worth it? We're going to find out if it's worth it, considering the Stanley Cup finalists from last year, the defending champion Blues, and the President's Trophy winning Bruins, did not win a single game in their round robin, and they will be the number four seed in the playoffs. We'll see how much that impacts them going into the round of 16. But it is what it is. The Golden Knights won all three of their round robin games, capped off by a 4-3 to overtime victory over the Colorado Avalanche on Saturday. And they have reached the path that they have wanted since, really, training camp. They have got the number one seed in the Western Conference. They will have, quote-unquote, home ice advantage all the way up until the cup final. And they have got themselves a date, at which we will discuss in a little bit, and probably one of the more shocking upsets of the qualifying round against the Chicago Blackhawks. But how did we get here? How did we get to the point where the Golden Knights got to the number one seed? And I think it's safe to say that the first the first thing you got to look at, the Golden Knights played probably their best game of the entire season. And I'm talking about regular season, including the round robin. The Golden Knights played a team on Saturday that took them to the woodshed twice in the regular season. Both times at T-Mobile Arena, two games, they they allowed 13 goals from Colorado. And it wasn't even really the top line that burned them. It wasn't McKinnon, it wasn't Randon, it wasn't Landis Gog. It was the depth of Colorado that took it to Vegas. And even in this matchup on Saturday, with the exception of a Nathan McKinnon power play goal that was almost saved by Robin Leonard's stick, the the top line really did not make an impact once again. The Golden Knights did a terrific job of clogging them in the neutral zone. They tried to let their bottom guys beat them. And for the most part, they did. That was the reason why the game went overtime. Vegas took it to them, really. Uh, peppered uh, Philip Grubauer with shots, at least in the second period. He really didn't see a lot of action in the first. They got to him in the second twice. And then in the third period, Marshall gets a penalty shot. It's 3-2. to two, And if not for a 6-on-5 goal, the Golden Knights would have won in regulation. But it goes to overtime. And then Alex Tuck with 16 seconds left scores the overtime winner. And all of a sudden, here we are, the Golden Knights, now the top team in the Western Conference, 
when they entered round robin play as the number three team. Just like that. And I thought the way that they played against Colorado, the the top line of Colorado did not have to play well in the first two meetings. They got their points, they got their assists, but it, they did not make a difference in those two games. And they really didn't make a difference in this one. The The difference, I think, in this one was a, a combination of two things. One, Peter DeBoer's new system. We Colorado had not seen that at that time, and which is why probably that they put a sound emphasis on defense in this game. And the second one was Robin Leonard, who played absolutely fantastic. 32 saves on 35 shots. Made a couple of key saves on the penalty kill, including on a five-on-three, mind you. He made a spectacular glove save on Miko Rantanen at the tail end of a five-on-three. How he made it, I don't know. But he was absolutely the reason the Golden Knights were able to keep that game scoreless after the first period. And absolutely the reason why he was able to keep Vegas ahead for as as long as he could. Again, the two goals that he allowed before the six-on-five goal, can't really blame him for it. Uh, especially the first one when you have nine guys in front of you and yet you still have the the presence of mind to get your paddle on a puck from McKinnon in front. It's amazing how they were able to score on that one. And then the second one, just the bad bounce, Confer makes a nice play, and then Don Scoy's right there for the rebound. I mean, what are you going to do? But Robin Leonard, I thought, played absolutely fantastic. The Golden Knights overall played a great game, and they absolutely earned the number one seed in the Western Conference, which again, you think back to when we started this whole round robin thing. Is the importance of the number one seed evident? Maybe. We're going to find that out, really, with the defending champion Blues and the President's Trophy winning Bruins being the number four seeds in the West and the East, respectively. We're going to find out how really important the number one seed is in a neutral setting. But Given the way that the playoffs are structured this year, the top seed faces the lower seed in each round. It reseeds after each round. So really, you look at it from this standpoint, if a lower seed makes a huge upset in the Western Conference, like say somehow, some way the Coyotes pull off a dramatic upset against the the Avalanche and, and the Golden Knights move on, the second round is Vegas, Arizona. Like, that is the benefit of having the number one seed in that instance. But given it's a neutral site, there's there's no home ice advantage. It's not like you're going to T-Mobile Arena for a possible, for a possible four out of seven games. So we're going to see how much that plays an impact in these playoffs. Will it? Time will tell. I mean, we just saw the Blackhawks take out the quote-unquote home team, Edmonton Oilers, in four games. We just saw the Montreal Canadiens who had no business, absolutely no business, being in the playoffs, eliminate the Pittsburgh Penguins in four games. We just saw the Columbus Blue Jackets eliminate the quote-unquote home team Toronto Maple Leafs in five games. And we we are seeing these teams, some of these teams that have no business being in this situation, and they are now in the field of 16. And especially Chicago, which we will talk about in a little bit, who probably had no business even contending with Edmonton. Yet here they are now in a position. If Chicago goes on a run, it's going to scare a lot of people, which I don't think Golden Knights fans want here. But there is that championship pedigree. There is that veteran leadership that I think played a huge factor in the reason why they beat the Oilers. And I know the Oilers, 
you know, beyond McDavid and Drysaddle, they don't have a lot of depth, but that's why they acquired Tyler Ennis and Andreas Athanasiu at the trade deadline to get that very depth. And the Blackhawks, for the better part of four games, took it to them and they were absolutely the better team. So we will discuss the Blackhawks right after this. But first, you guys know we've got to talk about rockauto.com. We talked about them at the top, and you guys know how big of a supporter they are of this show and all the other shows across this network. RockAuto.com, the family-run service of over 20 years to give you all the parts you need for your car when you just can't find them at your regular auto parts store. And, I mean, you know, you go into the auto parts store, you're looking for a certain part, it's not there. What in the world are you supposed to do? You're wandering around the store thinking that they have this part that you need because something's going on with your taillight, something's going on with your transmission, and it's just not there. RockAuto.com has got you covered from everything, from every car, from every make, from every model. They have got you covered. They have been in business for over 20 years, and they have loved taking care of their customers. When you go onto RockAuto.com and you get into that little box that says, how did you hear about us? Just enter Locked On, and the guys at Rock Auto will take care of you. That's R-O-C-K-A-U-T-O.com. RockAuto.com. All the parts your car will ever need rock auto and a reminder friends if you would like to follow the show on twitter you can absolutely do so at locked on vgk you can follow me on twitter at danny webster 21 if you'd like to send an email you can do so to locked on golden knights at gmail.com all the feedback is greatly appreciated so let's talk about vegas's opponent in the first round of the stanley cup playoffs again i don't think anybody penciled the Golden Knights having the top seed in the West, nor do I think they penciled the Chicago Blackhawks being their opponent. But here we are. Game one set for Tuesday, 730 puck drop. And this is going to be a very interesting playoffs in general. And the reason why I say that, and I know Pete DeBoer's touched on this a couple of times too. The way that this schedule is going to be condensed, we are going to see a lot of games in a short amount of time. Case in point, this series, game one is on Tuesday, game two is on Thursday, game three is on Saturday, game four, Sunday. That's right, there is a back-to-back in the first round. We've never seen anything like this, as far as I'm concerned, and hopefully we don't see it ever again, but there is a back-to-back in games three and game four. There is a chance we could see both goalies down the road, and even DeBoer has touched on, he plans on playing both Robin Leonard and Marc-Andre Fleury in these playoffs, and he's said before that if the Golden Knights are to get where they want to go, which is the Stanley Cup final, and eventually to win the Stanley Cup, they're going to need both goaltenders to perform at the highest level. So we will see Fleury and Leonard at some point. How that will intertwine remains to be seen. I will say this, though. I'm not saying this just because he was traded from Chicago, but I think that there is no question in my mind the starter in Game 1 has to be Robin Leonard. Just because the way he played against Colorado, really the way he played in the two-round Robin games. And I can't really say that it was Marc-Andre Fleury's fault as to why he wouldn't be the starter in Game 1. His his resume in this postseason 
really not a high one, really not one of full uh, amount was what I should say. One exhibition game against Arizona and then one round robin game against St. Louis, which St. Louis has always given Vegas trouble as far as matchups go. Really can't give Flurry too much fault for this, but just because of the way Leonard has played, really, if you look at the numbers, four out of the six periods that he played, spectacular. Even the second period against Colorado, he was spectacular for the exception of those two goals that, again, if not for all the bodies in front of him, he probably would have stopped them too, given the chance. So I think there is no question Robin Leonard is the starter going into game one. I should also mention, because I'm surprised I have gone this far without mentioning it, Max Pacioretty is in the bubble and he is expected to be uh, playing for the Golden Knights in game one. Now, uh, John Shannon of Sportsnet had reported that Pacioretty had been in Edmonton since last Monday, which, I, I mean, that's that's pretty close to being on the horizon, as, as on the horizon you're going to get, in the words of Peter DeBoer. But nonetheless, uh, Pacioretty ended his quarantine on Sunday, according to DeBoer, and he's expected to practice with the Golden Knights for the first time today, and he will be in the lineup back and on his top-line left-wing spot for Game 1 tomorrow at 7.30. Now, that being said, Chicago... Very interesting opponent. Now, do I think the Blackhawks will make this series competitive? I think you'd be a fool to say you, you'd be a fool to say no. The the Blackhawks, to me, even though I don't think at the end of the day, when it comes to hockey, that championship pedigree matters, it matters and I think it mattered in the sense against Edmonton. Because for as talented of a group as Edmonton has. For as talented of a forward core as they have, for as solid a D as they supposedly had, the Blackhawks for three out of the four games were by far the better team. They had the better goaltending with Corey Crawford, and they had the better veteran leadership, I thought, with Jonathan Taze, Patrick Kane, Duncan Keith. And then you have to take into consideration their young guys playing at a very high level at the right time. And I'm talking about Dominic Kubelik, who is the, who was a Calder finalist and Kirby doc, the third overall pick in last year's draft, who has gone from fourth line center to making a, a tremendous impact for Chicago at 19 years old. That is becoming more and more of a, I, I mean, the third overall pick to call that a steal is kind of asinine, but the way that he's been playing is absolutely spectacular. And then, of course, I mentioned Corey Crawford. That situation with Crawford leading up to going to Edmonton, I thought, was absolutely bizarre. You find out that he's pretty much, quote-unquote, unfit to play for so long, and then he reveals the day before they leave for Edmonton, as he finally practices, that he had been battling COVID-19. And in games one through three, he was okay. He didn't do enough to have Chicago win, but they got two wins out of it. And then in game four, he goes out and makes 43 saves on 45 shots. So if you are getting that kind of Corey Crawford against Edmonton, it's not going to be a walk in the park for Vegas. I can tell you that right now. This is not going to be an easy matchup. Could Vegas win in five? Absolutely. I think they'll win in five, maybe six. I wouldn't be shocked if it went that far. Because I'd, I'd think it, I think anybody would be a fool to essentially say that the Golden Knights 
are going to run over Chicago. Now, given past success against Chicago, they are 8-1 all the time against the Blackhawks. So it's not like that the Gold Knights are entering against uh, entering the playoffs against a team that they've struggled against mightily. They have had their share of success against the Blackhawks. But I I truly believe that at least a 12-seeded team, a number 8-seeded team, with the veteran leadership that Chicago has, I do believe that they will give the Golden Knights a run for the money. I just don't think it will be enough. I think that the way that Vegas now getting Pacioretty back, the way that their offense was humming along without Pacioretty, the way that their goaltending was, and especially if Leonard is the starter in game one, I think that that gives them the edge. And even if Flurry has to go in net, I think that it'll be more than enough for Vegas to win. I just don't think it'll be as easy of a task as some people might think. I truly believe in the the impact of knowing who you have in your locker room and the impact of knowing who has gotten used to the dance before. And I I think that you know the way that Peter DeBoer has said the easiest path that we could get is obtaining the number one seed. I don't think they're overlooking Chicago, but I do know that they have set themselves up greatly for a long playoff run. Now, I want to go back to the back-to-back for a little bit because the way that it's set up, the Golden Knights are obviously going to be using both goalies. There's no doubt about that, and especially the way that the back-to-back is scheduled. They have a 5 o'clock puck drop on Saturday, and then Sunday's at 3.30. So, of course, there is going to be some rotation. And even DeBoer hinted there might be some rotation within the lines and the D pairs as well if it comes to that point because you don't want to be on tired legs, especially in this situation. At least there's no travel, so you don't have to worry about a travel day. But at the same time, fatigue and conditioning plays a huge factor into this situation. Now, there is a chance... A very slight one, and I, and I don't want to think too much into it, but I, I fully believe that there is a slight chance that come game four of this series, we could see Marc-Andre Fleury versus Malcolm Subban, to which I think the entire Vegas hockey community, their heads would explode if Malcolm Subban were to get into a playoff game against Marc-Andre Fleury. I think that would be, one, that would be amazing to see, number two, it would just be mind-boggling that we had gotten to that point. Chicago is going to present a very tough task, especially in that back-to-back. And if the Golden Knights do not take care of business in that back-to-back, that could be troubling. If they, if there is a split of the first four games, I would be concerned. If the Golden Knights don't go up at least 3-1 after four, I would be kind of concerned if you're a Golden Knights fan because you don't want to go back to game five if you're the quote-unquote home team and give the Blackhawks life because that's exactly what the Oilers did. That is exactly what the Oilers did. I personally believe them going to Mike Smith in game one, that that was the biggest mistake that uh, Dave Tippett could have done. The fact that you did not go with Koskinen in game one for whatever reason, whether he was injured, whatever the case may be, the fact that you did not go to your better goaltender in game one, I thought was a concern. And the minute that Chicago realized that, and the minute Chicago put six goals on the board, and the minute they realized that they could compete with Edmonton, 
I think that was the biggest factor in that entire situation. So if you're the Golden Knights, you cannot give Chicago life because you do not want to give a team that has been there and done that. You do not want to give them a chance. You do not want to give them an opportunity. If you give them that opportunity, there is a very good chance that they could steal another game. And if you get to the point where it's a 2-2 split heading into a must-win game five, could the Golden Knights win it as the home team? Absolutely. But you do not want to get to that point. If you can at least come out of the first four with a 3-1 lead, I think you're solid. Now, again, 3-1 leads should not mean anything to the Golden Knights after what happened last year. But given these current situations that we are in with the playoffs, it is imperative for Gold, for the Golden Knights to win at least three of the first four. And then let the chips fall where they may, especially with who they might face in the second round, which if I'm putting my money on it, it might be the Calgary Flames. So uh, I'm I'm very interested in seeing this series. I mean, the more we get to see the Blackhawks in the playoffs, I think for nostalgic purposes, I think is a good thing because you always want to see what what left in the tank, Taze, Kane, Keith, Crawford, how much they have left in the tank. And then you get to see these young guys that are going to be taking over the, the Blackhawks in the foreseeable future. I think it's... I think it's going to be a fun matchup. I think goaltending is going to be the key as it's going to be the key for the rest of the series. I think the Golden Knights have the better goaltending by far. And how they deploy Leonard versus Flurry, I think, is going to be very interesting in how this matchup goes. But I'm very excited to see this. I think the Golden Knights will win it in five. If if I'm going to hedge, I will say six. But I think they could win it in five. Um, and it's going to be goaltending. Goaltending is going to be the reason why the Golden Knights move on to the second round. All right, so let's just put a cap on these qualifying series and get you ready for the first round of the of the Stanley Cup playoffs. It, I, I will say this. I don't know if the format should stay the same going forward, but I thoroughly enjoyed every bit of hockey action that we got from the start of the qualifying series up until now. I thought the games were fantastic. I thought for the most part, all the teams were competitive except, you know, for the New York Rangers and maybe the Florida Panthers. But, you know, say la vie. Um, I, I thought the hockey was great. I thought that the intensity level was great. Even in some of the round robin games, primarily the Western Conference, I thought the round robin games were fantastic. Um, the Eastern Conference, eh. I mean, the Philadelphia Flyers clearly look like the better team out of the four. Very interesting to see how that goes. But I I thought all the qualifying series were awesome. I thought Montreal was obviously the biggest surprise out of the bunch. I was surprised how much they just knocked Pittsburgh in the mouth. Unreal series by them. Again, I thought Chicago was fantastic. Uh, I thought Vancouver coming back after losing game one and to win three straight the way they did over Minnesota, I thought was a really fortuitous performance. Uh, by Travis Green's club. I thought they did fantastic. Uh, the Jets, I thought, ran out of steam against the Flames. I don't see how the Stars beat them, honestly. I think the Flames are just the better team out of that bunch. Uh, I'm a huge fan of the Columbus Blue Jackets, and the games 3, 4, and 5 were probably the biggest contrast of styles that I have seen in a series that has gone back and forth the way that that series did. And 
Columbus draws another rematch with uh, with Tampa Bay. I don't know how to feel about that, but if I'm a Tampa Bay Lightning fan, I know deep in my heart I think they will win, but you don't want to see Columbus again because I know Columbus had more star power last year and they completely mollywopped the Lightning. But this this Blue Jackets team, who they've got now, the star power that they've got and the, the mentality of just punch you in the mouth and the goaltending that they have i don't know if i'm tampa man i'm a little i'm a little on edge with how that looks so i thought the qualifying series were a load of fun i thought everything about it was great again i don't know if they're going to keep on going with this but i wouldn't mind seeing some format of this going forward i think it would be a lot of fun all right, you know what? Let's do quick predictions. I think we got time for some quick predictions of the first round series. Uh, I already said Vegas would win in five, and I, and I swear that's not bias. I just think Vegas Vegas is going to make at least the Western Conference Final. Whether they make the Cup Final completely depends on how their path to the Cup Final goes. So I think Vegas does win in five over Chicago. Colorado and Arizona, I think at the end of the day, the Avalanche being the better team, being the more talented team, being the more deeper team, I think is going to make a difference. I It kills me that we're not going to see Arizona at home in a playoff series because that place can get pretty crazy during playoff time. I know it's been almost 10 years since we've seen that building go crazy for a Coyotes playoff game, but I think, I think Arizona can push it to six just because of Darcy Kemper, but I think Colorado ends up winning in six. Dallas and Calgary, I already kind of made this uh, intention known. I think Calgary is just the much better team. Um, I just think something's up with Dallas. And the fact that their offense, they were not able to figure out their offense in the round robin. They were not able to figure out their offense before the pause. There's something going on there. And unless Ben Bishop and or Anton Kudobin can stand on their heads and deliver solid performances heading into or going into the playoffs, much like they did last year, I don't see how Dallas wins this series. I think Calgary moves on, which is a huge benefit to Vegas. And St. Louis and Vancouver, I am very torn by this. And it's not because I don't believe in St. Louis. It's just I've always thought for this entire year, Vancouver has to be that one team that I think just shocks a lot of people to where you watch them and you're like, are they there yet or are they not? They've got the goaltending with Markstrom. They have the young talent with Pedersen. They got Besser, Horvat defensively obviously they have Tyler Myers you know what call me a prisoner in the moment I think Vancouver pulls this off which I which may seem crazy but I mean the fact that we saw the defending champs lose in seven last year I'm not going to completely say that the Blues are in trouble but I just if Vancouver can just put it together for a stretch of games they're going to give St. Louis fits and if Markstrom can steal a couple of games they're going to have a shot so I think Vancouver can do it, and I think Vancouver wins in seven over the defending champions, which would be a huge upset. And again, big advantage to Vegas if they get to that point. Um, Eastern Conference, Philadelphia and Montreal. The only thing I'm praying for is seven games of, of uh, Carter Hart versus Carey Price. If we can get seven games of that goaltending, oh, I am absolutely here for this. I don't think so. I think at the end, I think the Flyers will win it in six. Because I think Montreal is Montreal is like the team that's like, hi, we're happy to be here, and you know we're gonna do our best, and I don't think we're gonna win, but you know what, we're damn well gonna try. 
I think that's what Montreal's in right now because Philadelphia, man, they look good. If Philadelphia is not your favorite to get to the cup final in the East, I'd really like to hear your argument why. And I know that, again, the round robin may not be a full litmus test of where teams are at, but man, they punched Boston, they punched Tampa, and they punched Washington all in the mouth. Like they rocked them. So whether whether what happens, what it changes into a seven game series, we'll see how that goes. But man, Philly looks good. I'm gonna I'm gonna get Montreal two games, but I think it does end in six. Philadelphia wins. Tampa Bay and Columbus. Oh, I want to pick Columbus so bad because I love the Blue Jackets and I love the way they play and I love their goaltending. But at the end of the day, I just. I, I think Tampa has enough with, depending on the status of Stankos and Hedman, I I think I think Tampa ends up winning in seven, but man, I want to see Columbus just, I, I want to see Columbus continue to prove people wrong. Just, just the way that they prove people wrong all year, not having Panarin, not having Bobrovsky, losing Duchesne after trading for him, and thinking that they were just going to fall off the face of the earth and to come back and to make the playoffs. And not only make the playoffs, they had to go through a qualifying series of which they had to beat the quote-unquote hometown team in five games, and their starting goaltender pitched two shutouts in that series. Like, if Corpusalo gets hot, Tampa's in trouble. That That's pretty much what I'm trying to say. If Corpusalo does if he stands on his head and stops like 35 or 36 shots if if he can pitch a shutout here or there Tampa's in trouble now Columbus they're gonna need to get that offense going because at least in games four and game five they didn't have a lot of offense going they didn't get a lot of shots on Freddie Anderson and that is probably gonna be the biggest that's gonna be the biggest detriment to them if they don't move on past Tampa I just I think it goes seven. I think Tampa ultimately wins, but my heart of hearts is pulling for Columbus because I love that team. I love the way they play. Uh, Washington and the New York Islanders. Barry Trotz against his former team. You know, that this is the matchup where I look at it and say, you know, <laughs> I think the Islanders might have the edge just because there no one knows the Capitals better than Barry Trotz. And no one knows the ins and outs of how Alex Ovechkin and John Carlson and Evgeny Kuznetsov work and of course Braden Holtby and Net more than Barry Trotz. The Islanders are they have this weird anomaly about them where they can just be they can win one nothing games and then they can erupt for five goals. And again that part of that probably had to do with playing Florida in the first round, but to me, the Islanders, they are very, very good. And if that goaltending stands up to the task, I think I think the Islanders win in six. I, I just, I don't know in a coaching chess match, Todd Reardon versus Barry Trotz. I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna side with the guy that coached them for a long time and coached them to a Stanley Cup. So I'm gonna take the Islanders in six. And Boston, Carolina. This is gonna be the weirdest matchup out of the East because I don't think we know exactly what Boston is doing. Boston could be very well playing possum for all we know. Boston could be looking at us all right now thinking that with the sky is falling with the Bruins and they're all just laughing in our faces 
That that could very much be the case. As Meanwhile, here come the Carolina Hurricanes, who just put a whooping on the New York Rangers. Sebastian Ajo was fantastic. Andrei Svechnikov was fantastic. They That team is ridiculously talented. And, and the bunch of jerks are always going to be, in my mind, a dark horse in the Eastern Conference. The only question I have, and it was the only reason why they fell short, I think, last year, other than inexperience and youth on that team, is Peter Morazic and James Reimer enough to get you past a Boston, enough to get you past a Tampa Bay, enough to get you past a Philadelphia? I don't know. But I I might be a prisoner in the moment thinking that Boston is, in fact, in trouble. I don't know what's going on. I, I'm starting to get the feeling that David Pasternak not being at training camp is hindering that team. Tukarask also getting a late start into his playoff duties, also a hindrance. Now, they've got a good goalie tandem with Halak and Rask, but for some reason, just Boston is not getting it together. And I don't know if it helps them going against the Carolina team that added reinforcements on the blue line at the deadline with Brady Shea and Sammy Votnin, who have looked fantastic so far. I think Carolina, if they get enough from everyone involved and don't have to put as much pressure on Morozik and or Reimer, I think the Hurricanes can pull this off. And if they do, we're talking brand new cup finalists this year. I'm going to take Carolina in seven as much as I'm probably going to bite myself in the butt because of it, because Boston will probably sweep them or win in five knowing my luck. I I just, Carolina is one of my, Carolina and Columbus are my two favorite teams to watch. And I just love the way that they play. And the fact that I think Carolina drew this matchup, I think everyone knows they're probably mad as hell about what happened last year. And I think another year, <clears throat> another year of that playoff, that playoff burn for Ajo, Svechnikov, I think it's going to make a world of difference. So I'm going to take the Hurricanes in seven. I think we're going to get brand new cup finalists this year. And this first round is going to be chaotic. Absolutely chaotic. It's going to be fun to watch. I hope you all enjoy the hockey because I sure as hell am. It's going to be a lot of fun. I can't wait to watch the Stanley Cup playoffs. It's the best time of the year no matter what time of year it is. And the fact that it's in August and normally this would be the dog days of summer, I'm here for it. It's going to be a lot of fun. So those are my predictions in the first round. Game one between the Blackhawks and the Golden Knights tomorrow night, 7.30 on NBCSN. Uh, locally here in Las Vegas, it will be on AT&T Sportsnet. Uh, games one, two, and four will all be carried locally. Game three will be on NBC. So be sure to... Mark those on your calendar as you see fit. So that will do it for me today, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you all for downloading, sharing, listening, subscribing. All that jazz is greatly appreciated. Again, you can follow the show on Twitter at LockedOnVGK. You can follow me on Twitter at DannyWebster21. Send an email to LockedOnGoldenKnights at gmail.com, and you can lambaste me for my picks later if you'd like. So that'll do it for me, folks. Thank you all. Hope you enjoy the hockey. Golden Knights playoff hockey is back. It's a beautiful time of year. And let's see if the Golden Knights can put the demons of last year behind them. So until then, until tomorrow, 
I am Danny Webster. This has been Locked on Golden Knights, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, and I will see you tomorrow for game one of the first round between the Golden Knights and the Blackhawks. Have a good day.